Hey, it's your boy, the Big Aristotle Shack, and this is the Prime Time Podcast from the Bros Who Think Network. Bitches. What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Prime Time Podcast. It's finally here. It's Bama Week. This is our Bama preview, and we have three special guests today. As always, Josh Lemoyne will be joining us at the end to preview the game from the LSU side. Uh, but also joined by Brett Hudson, who will be in the middle, uh, Alabama beat reporter for um, Tide Sports um, and, and TideSports.com, Tuscaloosa News. Uh, he talks, breaks it down from the Alabama side. But first, would like to welcome our uh, first special guest as Chris Falica uh, is joining us, and let's get right into that Chris Falica interview. We'd like to welcome our guest, Chris Falica. Y'all know him as the Bear on College Game Day. Is joining us, Chris. How are you doing this afternoon? I, I'm doing well. We just uh, Stanford Steve and I guess just got done with our uh, our pod, which just got posted, and uh, really looking forward to uh, a, a weekend where you got a, a a nice big noon game between between Minnesota and Penn State with a lot of uh, playoff ramifications, and certainly the uh, that little game in Tuscaloosa on Saturday afternoon as well. Well, speaking about playoff ramifications, the first uh, playoff uh, poll comes out last night. Uh, what were your thoughts on just the top rankings where you see a Penn State get moved up because of their resume, but then you see Ohio State in front of LSU, and people were debating this morning, and, you know, maybe LSU's resume was a little bit better. Well, that's the that, – that, I, I always – and I said last week on game day where we were just assuming that it was going to be the Ohio, Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, Clemson. Uh, in, in some order would be it. And I kind of chimed in. I'm like, hey, if, if we think LSU is going to be number one because of resume, Penn State is number two in strength of record. So, like, like their resume is very highly thought of. Uh, it was just confusing, though, with how the committee went from, okay, Ohio State's number one because they're the best team. Okay, that's great. That's fine. And then you go resume number two with LSU, best resume. And then you have Alabama number three who – you kind of put best at number three. Oh, by the way, Bama's favored over LSU. And then at four, you went back to resume with Penn State uh, ahead of Clemson, who Clemson power rates higher than Penn State. Like I said, all of this is going to play out because the four, the four teams ahead of Clemson all play each other. So, uh, so, so teams are going to win, teams are going to lose, and this is just a, a starting point to provide a – a nice little bit of water cooler and, and internet and radio show talk show fodder, but I, I, I have no problem with it because, like I said, it's good. It, it's going to work itself out. And but I, I was just a little surprised at how like the, the, the committee moved the goalposts a little bit when when ranking number one, number one because they are the best team. Then you're ranking number two, number two because they have a better resume. So that that, that, that was my my uh, the one thing that I was curious about with the top five. But the the one thing that I'm taking away from this, my biggest takeaway was how Oregon and Utah right now are being very highly respected by the committee. Uh, Having Oregon at seven and Utah at eight, uh, despite the two not having a single win over a team currently ranked uh, by the playoff committee is surprising to me. I I think if you're being brutally honest uh, in in ranking these teams from from seven on down, you, you probably go Florida, Auburn, Oklahoma, Oregon, Utah, despite a couple of those two teams having two losses, but uh, it, it, I, I was I was kind of surprised that Oregon and Utah right now are carrying a lot of weight, and whether uh, they can win out and meet as eleven and one opponents 
uh, in the Pac-12 championship game, and the winner can get to 12-1 and and have a case, whether it be against a second uh, SEC team or a second Big Ten team. Uh, that's probably the, uh, the highway we're headed down the rest of the year. Well, the key to it is winning out. And if LSU wins out, they'll be set for a uh, their first appearance in the playoff. And look, this Alabama-LSU game, it's a game that game day has been to. Look, Chris, I can't remember the last time y'all weren't at the LSU-Alabama game. You may be able to help me there. but we believe This will be number 11 for us. Is it 11 in a row? It's not 11 in a row. There, there, were, there, there have been a couple in there that we uh, – I, I believe it's each of the last three, if, I'm, if I do remember correctly – uh, I don't know. I don't think we were at the one four years ago, but I, I definitely know it's the uh, the last three for sure. And in, in, in those three games, we've uh, we've we've provided a, provided a whole ten points for uh, for the Tigers in those three games. So I'm, I'm curious to see uh, at what point on Saturday they they surpass their point total combined from the last uh, three combined. Well, that and that leads to my question: Is this offense that LSU has going into the season? We heard all the hoopla once again. But we finally saw it against a team like Texas, uh, defenses like Auburn and Florida. Are you surprised from this offense and what we've seen this far? And do you expect this offense to travel to Tuscaloosa this weekend? I, I do expect it to travel because that's the only way they've known. And, and, and nationally, I think there's still this perception about Coach O and is he a good head coach or what? Or, but he is surprisingly, what, what people would think, surprisingly open to – analytics and and real he immediately realized when he took over that they needed a head they needed a quarterback they needed a quarterback who could stretch the field who could challenge some of the better teams in the country to give them the best chance of winning and uh, you bring in burrow when he's been that guy and more and, and you've got uh, one of the best wide receiver groups in the country i, I think between uh, them them and and, and bama probably would would be one and two. Uh, I, I expect them to continue doing the same things uh, that that they that they've done all year. Um, bringing Brady in, I, I think it's the only way they know right now. Hey, look, uh, under Les Miles and in the last couple of years with the offenses that they've had, uh, that hasn't done anything. I mean, what's the the definition of insanity? Uh, continually doing the the same thing over and over again, uh, knowing the knowing the results of what's going to happen. If they try and just run uh, run Clyde, uh, I mean, to, to no avail, and, and and take the weapons out of the the best players on the field. Uh, that that's a bad sign, but I think I think they're gonna you're gonna see them continue what they're doing. I think, however, on the other side of the ball is where you might be a little curious to see what Alabama does. Maybe some of their uh, defensive shortcomings means that they run Najee Harris and Robinson and and some of the guys a little bit more to help keep their defense off the field to avoid having the ball in in, in number nine's hands there. So I'm curious to see how Alabama attacks this game uh, offensively as well. Well, speaking about that, y'all were at the Auburn, uh, y'all were at the Florida game, but I want to talk about that Auburn game where Auburn had two carries uh, that were big gains. They were explosive plays, but besides that, for 31 carries, the average .6 yards per carry. Look, this Alabama offensive line is one of the best and probably the best LSU's defense has faced this year. Do you think Alabama can have success against this LSU defense in terms of running the ball? I think they can because I think their running game and the style of their offense is a little bit better. Well, I mean, not necessarily better, but different than what you saw from Auburn. I mean, with Gus in that offense, you get a lot of fly sweeps and a lot of uh, sideline to sideline where it was Alabama. I think uh, they'll try and just utilize their offensive line to 
to, to power through and create uh, big runs that place. So I, I do think Alabama will have uh, more success on the ground uh, than Auburn, mainly too, uh, because if you look at Auburn, I mean, they don't have a quarterback who is really a threat to throw the ball downfield in Bo Nix. Now, whereas with, with Alabama, they, they, they're going to have to deal with, with, with Judy and a healthy, what we should be a healthy Devontae Smith and Ruggs and, and, of course, Tua, who we fully expect to, to play in. Who knows if it'll be 100% or not. But, I mean, there's so many more threats in the passing game that LSU will have to worry about as well. They're not going to be able to dedicate uh, seven or eight men in the box to, to slowing down uh, the tide running. And so it's certainly going to be much more of a challenge this week for the LSU defense than it was uh, against Auburn on their home field. Well, looking at this game, first time you tweeted out since 2011 where Alabama is favored by less than seven points at home. What could be a game difference, uh, a game changer in this game? Is it a special teams thing, or or do you think maybe it's going to be one of these offenses maybe struggling and having to kick a field goal instead of scoring a touchdown? Yeah, I I think it's going to be the the latter. Which one of these defenses is able to come up with a with, with, with a scheme, throw a curveball, break tendency, show some things that they haven't necessarily shown uh, on film at, so, uh, at some point this year. Um, we, we focus so much on the quarterbacks, and rightly so, but I mean, one of the things that I'm looking to see who, who, who is the biggest impact player in the game, like the one guy that you need to pay attention to on Saturday outside of the quarterbacks that will really determine the game. Like, we know, I would have said Michael Divinity would have been that guy, but now with him not, no longer being with the team for the time being, uh, that's a problem. Is it Grant Delpit? And now uh, him coming back from, uh, from injury and his ability, if he gets kind of caught between pass and run and how they, how they utilize him. Uh, is, is it someone Alabama's defense as well? Uh, I, I think there's so many fascinating angles there, and I certainly think which defense can uh, can kind of take the other offense out of stride, uh, certainly in favor. But I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the special team things too, because as every Alabama fan out there knows, it's been. I mean, they, they've had kicking struggles for for a good long time, but uncharacteristically. LSU has had some issues this year as well with missing three extra points, just two of five from north of 40 yards. So it typically was LSU in this game had the special team's advantage in the kicking game, but it's kind of a push this year. And I'll be curious to see if either of these two teams need a last-second field goal to win the game, what winds up happening there. Well, Chris, we appreciate you for giving us some of your time. We'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, just which, how are you leaning for this game? Don't have to give us a score prediction or anything. And uh, do you think this is a 30-point game? I, I know it's definitely not going to be a 9-6 game this time. No, I, I see this game kind of like a, like a 31-24, 31-27, 34-27, somewhere in that range. I don't think both teams get into the 40s because I, I, I do think still you're looking at really good, talented players on the defensive side of the ball. I, I think you might see a little bit more ball control uh, from Alabama, which I remember a couple of years back at, uh, at, at Bryant-Denny, they had a really long, sustained drive. It was like an 18-play drive that really took the sales uh, at LSU in that game. So I would, if, if I had to rank, rank my uh, thought process on how I would play the game, uh, I, would, I, I would lean towards the under. I think I thinking that I, that they don't get to 60, and if I had to pick a side, I'd lay the six and a half uh, with Alabama right now. I am not a fan of being on public 
appearing underdogs, and it certainly looks like LSU is a very trendy uh, public underdog. This maybe not to the extent uh, that Florida was last week, and LSU certainly can go in there uh, and, and win the game. But uh, it, the way the number moves the rest of the week will be very interesting to me because I think if the number stays at 6.5, that leads me to believe that uh, those books are more than happy to have the uh, the liability knowing that they're going to go into the game knowing that they need uh, Alabama because at six and a half you're just going to get an influx of uh, of LSU money so uh, that, that's how I see it can LSU certainly win the game absolutely we've seen Alabama lose games on their home field before to the Texas to, uh, to Texas A&M to Ole Miss uh, to LSU in the past and come back and win uh, the national title so they, they can certainly lose this game uh, on their home field like that in the past but I would uh, I have a hard time. Uh, envisioning that right now, but it certainly uh, could happen. Well, Chris, thanks again for coming on and giving us some of your time, and we're looking forward to an exciting weekend of football. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me on, and we, we definitely can't wait for this weekend. Once again, I want to thank Chris Falica for coming on. Uh, make sure you all check him out on College Game Day on Saturday. Uh, some interesting things he tweeted out that I want to just go over real quick. You know, you look at this LSU game, this is the first time since 2011 at home Alabama is favored by less than seven points. Uh, in games where Alabama is not favored by a ton of points, they don't do well in those games. Actually, whenever Alabama is favored by less than seven points, the tide are just three and three straight up and have only covered once. So if you're betting, I would actually choose LSU in this game because, look, Alabama right now is five and one or one and five. Uh, against the spread whenever it's uh, less than six points. But speaking about Alabama, uh, let's get into the interview with Brett Hudson uh, from Tide Sports. And we're going to get his take. We're going to talk about it from the Alabama's perspective. Because, look, Alabama, even though their defense isn't up to par with what we're used to seeing, they're still really good, and this offense is still incredible. So without further ado, let's get into that interview with Brett. would like to welcome our guest as Brett Hudson uh, Alabama beat writer for the Tuscaloosa News joins us. Brett, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, guys. How are y'all? Uh, can't complain, man. Uh, I, I'm sure you're in the same boat as us. Uh, hard to get over that bye week with nothing to watch last weekend, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a different experience. Uh, it's kind of a nice one, you know. I'm a, I'm a college football nerd through and through. I'm a eat-the-whole-pig kind of guy, so I uh, – I enjoyed getting to watch a, a bunch of other football on, on an open weekend. And we got two of them this year. So that was that's fun. Yeah, the same with us. And, and you know, the kind of the schedule for college football as a whole has kind of been, uh, I guess, lackadaisical is the best word to say. And, and you have gotten some good games. But, Brett, I think this game is, uh, you know, they, they termed the 2011 game the game of the century uh, not saying this is the same thing, but I think this is going to be pretty similar in terms of importance and excitement. What do you think? It's definitely been that way because, I mean, like you mentioned, it's not quite up to the billing of that 2011 game where we, we saw that game coming from August. We were like, these two are going to meet in November, and it's going to be awesome. And we kind of thought that LSU could potentially be this good, uh, but we weren't 100% sold on it since we've been through this whole LSU's going to open the offense up song and dance several times over the last uh, probably decade or so. Um, but now that the the game has the cachet that it has and it's been so uh, so highly hyped for so many weeks before, now it's kind of nice to see this game uh, reach this status again because 
I mean, I was a student here. I got my journalism degree from Alabama. I was here from 2010 to 2013. So I was I was here when the Bama LSU game was a national phenomenon, and it's it's nice for it to to be that again now that LSU has kind of reinvented its offense to the point where it can have the all parts of a of a top five team. Again, it's uh it's nice to see, and and I'm I'm looking forward to it because there's a there's a special place in, in my heart for Bama LSU. Well, definitely should be an exciting game. Uh, talk to us about, too, everything that's been coming out that I've been hearing and seeing is that he's going to play. I believe he's going to play. But how healthy can we expect Tua to be, and what limitations do you think will uh, he'll have for this game? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to play. That's been my working assumption the whole way um, uh, in terms of limitations. Um, I mean, I figure he might be 80%, 90%. That's just conjecture. That's, uh, that's just pulling numbers off my head, just kind of guessing. Um, I I think the, the primary thing is you might not have the same level of mobility that you've had with him in the past in terms of the quick twitch movement in the pocket, the escapability, the things like that. And you don't necessarily have to have that in Alabama's offense because they have so much of the RPO stuff and the quick game and the slants turning into 75-yard touchdowns because Henry Ruff III is the fastest human being on planet Earth, it looks like sometimes. So you don't have to have him stand in the pocket for three, three and a half seconds and create that extra second to uncork it down the field. But they do have some pro-style passing concepts in their offense where that kind of elusiveness from Tua is useful. Um, so I'm, I'm curious how Alabama, uh, if, they, if they're if they tempted to avoid that, and if they are tempted to avoid it, how they kind of manage their offense with that quote-unquote limitation. And the, 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 I guess the fly in that ointment is this offensive line has gotten better every single week of the season. They put in a new combination for it uh, in the Texas A&M game, which was three weeks, well, three days ago, four weeks ago. And they've gotten better and better each week. So a small part of me wonders if they're just going to test LSU's pass rush and say, you know what, yeah, Tua may not be as mobile as he normally is, but we don't think he needs to be mobile because we don't think your guys can can get to Tua. I wonder if a small part of Alabama's offensive uh, coaching staff believes that and and tries to test it anyway. I, I just wonder if that's the case. How much of an impact can uh, a guy like Miller, uh, Forstall, not playing in this game be? Uh, I know he's been important for Alabama's offense, and it seems like LSU has has had issues uh, not on the outside, but rather in the inside, whether it be the slot, a tight end, or a running back. Uh, with Miller not playing in this game, is that an impactful thing for this passing attack? Uh, well, it may have been probably a month ago, but it's not now because Alabama's using the tight end position in a kind of – interesting way they've they've taken two offensive linemen Chris Owens and Kendall Randolph and kind of turned them into tight ends by giving them new new jersey numbers and all and and use them as tight ends and kind of heavy run sets like when they when they just bowed their neck up and they decided now is the time to run the football they can put one of those two guys at tight end and and do that uh, and even when Miller Forstall was healthy he wasn't a, a big part of the passing game, and neither were the guys behind him, Major Tennyson and Giles Amos. So 
if, if LSU's issues has been covering tight ends, I don't think that's going to be an issue against Alabama. But I do think the tight end position in general can play an interesting role in this game, just by the way Alabama has been using them and, and using offensive linemen as tight ends to kind of create mismatches on the perimeter. And uh, the way Bama's right tackle, Jedrick Wills Jr. put it is, when they put both of them on the field, when they have Kendall Randolph and Chris Owens on the field, but it's technically a two tight end set by jersey number, but really it's a seven offensive lineman set. You can't really match up with that because you can't put seven defensive linemen on the field when, when Bama's got wide receivers and Tua on the field as, as good as they do. So it, it creates an interesting matchup problem that you're not all that used to seeing in college football these days for pretty pretty obvious reasons. Um, so I don't know that Miller Forrestal as a receiver and his absence is going to be all that important for, for this game, but I do think the tight end position as a whole could be an interesting one, just by the way Alabama's been using it recently. Well, Alabama on the season right now is averaging five yards a carry and 168 yards per game. LSU against Auburn, a team that's known for rushing the ball, you take away their two biggest carries. They average 0.6 yards per carry on 31 carries. Do you think Alabama is going to try to establish the run in this game? It's a great question. Um, I, I think they will. I think that it all goes back to Tua. Uh, you know, if they feel good about his mobility and they want to test defenses, they want to test LSU the way they've been testing defenses all season long, then they they might not be um, as motivated to do that. But also, they were motivated to do that from the beginning. They did not run the ball very well early in the year, and they kind of got headstrong in establishing the run and the, the movement of Chris Owens and Kendall Randolph's tight end that I mentioned earlier is a good example of that. They kind of got headstrong and said, uh, dang it, we got to run the football. Uh, to be what we want to be, which is a, a national championship program this year. And um, I wouldn't be surprised to see that overall philosophy transition to uh, to the LSU game just because that's kind of – they've been establishing that as an identity of theirs in, in recent weeks. So I think there's, there is something to be said for Alabama attempting to establish the run uh, just because that's what they've shown over the last probably uh, five to six weeks or so. But – the flip side of that is I, I think there, there are no, there's no misconception or misconstruing of the situation in the building, which is that Alabama knows the wide receiver position is the strength of their roster. And when, when the going gets rough, that's what they got to use, I think. Well, you know, the crazy thing, you think about these two offenses and their passing attack, you know, it's pretty much one and two in the SEC, one and two pretty much in the country. Uh, it's hard to argue against that, but both teams are pretty much 50-50 on the season. And, look, establishing the run, I think, is important for both teams uh, to have success in this game and keep the defense on their heels. But looking at Alabama's offense, let's talk about the receiving core. You alluded to it. Look, I, I like I said, with the offenses, the, the receiving core is the same thing. You can argue that, you know, Alabama's number one or LSU's number one, and the other team would be right behind them. How good is this receiving core, and what are some of their strengths? Well, the top end speed is probably what this this wide receiver group is best known for. I kind of I made the joke that Henry Ruggs III is the fastest human being on planet Earth earlier, but it's not it's not as much as a joke as it probably sounded like. Um, I think there's a lot of debate when you get like super super deep in the SEC hive mind. There's a lot of 
debate about who's the faster player, uh, Henry Ruggs III or Anthony Schwartz at Auburn, who is literally a track star. Um, so when, when you have that kind of debate going on, uh, you know you got some serious speed on, on your hands. And, and Jalen Waddell, who, who is the number four receiver on this team, by the way, like he's only got 21 catches on the year or, or something in that, in that neighborhood. He's, he's as elusive as all get out. He's been incredibly elusive from the time he, he got on campus. And there's just not enough room for him to get a ton of targets because Jerry Judy is the reigning Bolitnikoff award winner. And Devontae Smith had five touchdowns in a game earlier this year. I think that was against Ole Miss. And Henry Ruggs third is as good as anybody in the SEC and in the nation at turning a, a five-yard slant route into a 75-yard touchdown. And then there's Jalen Waddell, who, yes, he, he makes his impact on screens and limited receiving opportunities, but he's a great punt returner, too. And, and that's, I would argue, he's possibly made a bigger impact on this game, on this team as a punt returner than he has as a, as a wide receiver just by the, the usage stats. Uh, so the top end speed and the general elusiveness is what, uh, is what is probably stands out about this receiving core. And uh, another part of it is they're, they're put in good positions because Tua is so accurate. Tua's accuracy is next level to the point where you rarely see them break stride. Like on a, like on those, those eight yard slants, I mentioned that they've, somewhat frequently turn into 75-yard touchdowns. A, a good portion of that is because they don't have to break stride. Tua puts it exactly where it needs to be, where they can maintain that top-end speed. And when those guys are at top-end speed, I don't know if LSU's defensive backs are, are going to be able to do it. I'm very interested to find out. But all the secondaries Bama has faced to this point, none of them have the athletes to match Henry Ruggs third, or Jerry Judy or Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle when they're at full speed and to his accuracy puts them in a in a good position to do that so it's the top end speed and elusiveness in front and they're good route runners and all that i don't want to sell their their skills short but they don't really have to be much more than crazy speedsters when you've got someone as ridiculously accurate as to a tongue of a low and running your offense if you're attacking this lsu defense i think the obvious spot would be to attack the slot but if you're Alabama, do you feel comfortable uh, going against maybe a guy like Derek Stingley, who's been one of the better cornerbacks in the country this year? I imagine they're pretty comfortable against going just about anybody with this uh, with this wide receiving core. I mean, they've they've shown no hesitation to go up against pretty much anybody. I'm well aware that uh, the DBU, so to speak, is going to have uh, more talents than than most. So I'm very interested. To, to see that matchup, but to, to answer the root of your question, I don't think they're going to be scared to attack any part of the field or any person on the field because to this point they have no reason to believe that they can't match up advantageously with anyone in the country, and maybe LSU gives them that rude awakening, but they haven't gotten that rude awakening yet, and they don't have any reason to believe they're going to get it, so if if the question is, is Alabama going to fear testing someone or fear testing uh, a portion of the field, uh, I, I would guess that answer is a resounding no. I would be shocked to find out um, to the contrary. Well, look, so much has been made about the offenses, and I really do think it's the defenses that or whichever defense plays better is going to end up uh, leading to that team winning. So let's flip it on the other side. Talk about this LSU offense. Look, you've been in the SEC covering sports for a while. 
uh, when you saw LSU against Texas, against Florida, Auburn, were you surprised to actually see an offense that moves the ball and doesn't run it out of the pistol? Yeah, it was a brave new world, man. Uh, I, I think I mentioned it earlier. I just, I just heard this song and dance out of LSU for so long that I wondered if it was ever going to happen, uh, especially in the context of the uh, uh, Matt Canada debacle with uh, Ed Orgeron earlier in his tenure. But, you know, this was one of those things, and I'm, I'm telling LSU fans something they already know here, so forgive me, but the talent in that state, is so incredible, and they do such a good job at retaining almost all of it, minus the, the few that slip the cracks and mostly end up at Alabama. Um, they do such a good job of retaining it. They clearly had the talent on campus and on the roster to be an explosive, awesome, high-scoring offense, and their own scheme got in the way of it. And now they finally stopped doing that. I think you're kind of seeing the same thing at Georgia right now they've clearly got awesome talent they've been recruiting among the best in america for the entirety of kirby smart's tenure there but their offensive scheme is getting in the way of them being a super explosive offense and sporting on everybody they play and lsu is finally coming out of that cycle to the point where they are this awesome electric offense that anybody who knows football in louisiana knew they could be so frankly it's uh, what drives me crazy is illogical things or, or things that are just placed in a bad line of thinking. And running a gumming-up-the-works offense at LSU was exactly that. So I'm, I'm just thrilled that LSU has finally stopped doing that. And we can see the full potential of LSU, which is currently the number one team in the nation, and we're recording this. Uh, Tuesday night, not long before the uh, the college football playoff rankings come out, but I, I assume that LSU will be number one in that too, just based on on resume. So, what's the the ceiling for this this LSU team? Is what's nearly unanimous the number one team in the country now that they've finally done what their talent told them to do. Well, talk about this Alabama defense. Like LSU, look, this game has elite offenses, and the defenses aren't elite like they have been in previous matchups. And to me, some of that is just that defensive line has finally gotten hit by the draft, and you've got younger guys playing. Uh, how good is this defensive front? And why – look, this Alabama defense is good, but why isn't it what we've been used to in the past? Uh, mostly injuries. Uh, to answer the, the latter part of that question, um, they, they lost Dylan Moses and Joshua McMillan. They're two would have been starters at inside linebacker to, uh, to season ending knee injuries and, and preseason. So they had to replace them with freshmen, Shane Lee and Christian Harris. Christian Harris is a uh, Baton Rouge uh, native, I think, U High. Uh, if I'm, yep, I'm on LSU's campus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go Cubs, right? Cubs? Yep. yep. Yeah, go Cubs. Um, so they had to replace them with two freshmen, and they're they're taking their lumps. It's a baptism by fire. They're they're learning on the job, and they're clearly supremely talented. They wouldn't be linebackers at Alabama if they weren't supremely talented. They wouldn't be on the field as freshmen if they weren't supremely talented. But this is also a notoriously complex uh, defensive scheme that Nick Saban runs, and there's a lot to learn, and they're having to learn it on the fly right now. That's going to come with its – it's bumps and bruises, but I think the defense has gotten better over the course of the season for a multitude of reasons. One, the secondary is, is awesome. The, the quarterback play out uh, of Trayvon Diggs and Patrick Sertan II has been incredible. I think Xavier McKinney is an All-American safety 
right now. Um, and the, the two kind of question mark pieces of that defense were at back safety and dime when they have Jared Maiden and Jordan Battle on the field, and they've both been been very good in that set. And then the outside linebacker play has been otherworldly the last three weeks or so. Terrell Lewis has had one of those careers where it's been marred by injury the entire time. You knew he was a special talent, but you kind of feared you would never be able to actually see that talent because he's constantly in a cast or mending for surgery or something. And here we are. He's leading the SEC in sacks and tackles for loss. And then his other outside linebacker, Anthony Jennings, is not that far behind him from a statistical standpoint. I think Bama has gone out of their way to put those two on the field more often. They normally don't have both outside linebackers on the field at the same time, except for some pass rush situations. They normally base with three down linemen, two interior linebackers, and one outside linebacker and kind of rotate based on down and distance situationally, things like that. But they've gone out of their way to put Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings on the field at the same time. And the, the results have been devastating. Um, so, so the answer to your original question is injury is why Alabama's defense is in the top 10 defense that it has been quite often. I didn't mention LeBron Ray, either, a defensive end who got hurt earlier in the season. He's going to be out for probably another week or two. Uh, I haven't seen him on the practice field this week, so I doubt he goes against OSU. That's another injury that's, that's hurting Alabama, and they've had to put some freshmen on the defensive line as well, namely the, the starting nose guard, D.J. Dale, and then the uh, defensive ends, Justin DeBoisby and Byron Young. So injury is the reason for that, but consistent improvement out of the other position groups, primarily on the back six, back seven, the secondary and the outside linebackers, they've They've gotten a lot better, and the defense has gotten to a point where facing an offense like LSU doesn't scare you pantsless. Well, speaking it scares about you face- a lot, but it doesn't scare <laughs> you pantsless. Well, speaking about this offense, you know, the, a lot of people have been talking and saying that this game they expect a shootout. They expect it to look more like a Big Twelve game. Do you agree with that statement? I, I do. I just think both of these these offenses are more well-tooled than they ever have been to, to put up a shootout against one another. Now, I'm not saying they're going to go like, – what was the – what was the score of that Baylor TCU game a few years ago? Was it like 59 to 56 or something crazy, something crazy like that? Yeah. that? Yeah, like that one like maybe five years ago or so that played a big factor in the playoff race at the time. I don't think it's going to be that crazy. But, I mean, if, if you told me – if somebody hopped a time machine and popped in my driveway right now and said, hey, man, the, the Bama LSU game, the final score is going to be 45-42, I'd be like, all right, that's that's fine. I'm 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 good with that. That's kind of I don't know that it's actually going to reach that. Something in the 35, like 38, 35, 35, 31 range wouldn't surprise me either. But I just think both of these offenses have reached a level where it's going to take an elite defense to slow them down even a little bit. And I think everyone on both sides of both sides of this game would uh, admit that their defenses aren't necessarily elite this season. Um, so I, I do anticipate a, a high-scoring game out of this. 
Yeah, uh, Kirk Herbstreit said it best, no one's stopping these offenses, and I don't think that'll happen on Saturday. But that in mind, uh, just getting towards around your scoring predictions, it sounds like a field goal could be the difference. How confident, not only in the field goal kicking, but special teams as a whole, are you in Alabama special teams right now? Well, the, the special teams have gotten better over the course of the year. Of course, this is Alabama, though, so they've gotten better everywhere but the place kicking. That is that is the uh, that is the curse at Alabama. I suppose their punting earlier in the year was just god awful. Man, it was bad. But they found this freshman walk on Ty Perrine, who has come in. It's a small sample size. I think he's only punted like four times this year. But he's a significant improvement from what they had before him. And then the return games have been excellent all year. Long and their and their block teams have been really good. Ale Caho has blocked two punts this year. Both of them were returned for touchdowns. Uh, one of them by him. He blocked the punt and then caught the ball in the end zone for for the touchdown. Um, so if if and when LSU has to punt in this game, I would uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't go get a beer when when LSU punts in this game because you just might you just might miss some game changing play. Um, put it that way. But if it comes down to the field goal. Like you mentioned, I mean, Alabama fans are never going to be confident in a field goal. They've seen too much. They've seen too many things. Um, they're, they've got that thousand-yard stare like you would see out of World War II veterans, right? Um, but Nick Saban was pretty complimentary of Joseph Bullivis, who has had to come in and replace a freshman kicker, Will Reichert, who got injured. And Will Reichert was supposed to be the answer, a, a highly touted kicking recruit out of Birmingham, uh, out of Hoover High School. They're a talent factory i'm sure lsu fans have have heard of hoover high um he was supposed to be the the answer and he was kicking relatively well but he pulled a a hip flexor and that's been bothering him for uh the last two months pretty much so joseph bull this came in made two field goals against arkansas handled the kickoff duties pretty well so i think the coaching staff is relatively confident in their in their place kicking right now but i don't know that the fan base will ever be confident in their place kicking that's just uh That's just the facts of life in Tuscaloosa these days. Yeah, something that we've seen be a factor in this game before, particularly uh, last time it was one versus two in Alabama, could be a difference in this game again. Brett, uh, we appreciate you for coming on and giving us some of your time. Uh, Before we get you out of here, we got two more for you. Uh, First, that being, how do you see this game going? Uh, And we kind of know what your score is going to be, a high-scoring event, but uh, who do you see winning this matchup on Saturday? Uh, I do think Alabama's going to win it. Um, I think I think it kind of goes back to that matchup I mentioned earlier, Bella's used pass rush against Alabama's offensive line and Tua's mobility or lack thereof, whatever he has at his disposal in that uh, right ankle of his. And I think that's a really important matchup because Alabama, as I mentioned earlier, they have the, pa- the, the pro-style passing concepts and they have the RPO quick game. And if you can take something away from Alabama you limit their explosiveness opportunities and then you can you can kind of force Alabama to blink in a shootout basically you can be you can force them to blink you can put yourself up seven or 14 early in the game and force them to catch up to your offense and maybe they're not able to do that I think the best way for LSU to do that would be to pressure Tua and take away some of those pro style passing concepts that take two, two and a half, three seconds in the pocket to to develop or even longer than that 
I just I, – I'm really impressed with the quality of play out of the offensive line at, at Alabama over the last few weeks. So I don't think they're going to allow that to be the case, and I think Alabama is ultimately going to win a shootout because of that. So that's my – I haven't settled on a final score yet, although I do have to do that for, uh, for my employer's game day section. Please pick one up while you're in Tuscaloosa, everyone. <laughs> Um, I do have to do that um, in about 24 hours or so. So I haven't settled on a final score, but uh, Bama close in a high-scoring game, probably both teams in the 30s. Yeah, it should be an exciting game. Brett, once again, thanks for coming on. If people want to check out some of your work this week uh, for Tuscaloosa News, where can they find it, and what are some things you were working on for this matchup? Everything is on Twitter at Brett underscore Hudson. The website is tidesports.com. Um, I posted something earlier today, Tuesday night, actually, about uh, about a key matchup between LSU's third down offense and Alabama's third down defense. It's a really interesting matchup to me, and one that that could decide the game because LSU's offense is sixth in the nation, uh, converting just over 50 percent of the time, whereas Alabama's third down defense has been something Nick Saban has been calling for improvement from basically all season long. Um, there's a lot of reasons for that, and they're all outlined in, in the story, and then I'm going to work on something later in the week just to how this, this game has changed so significantly since 2011, since 6-6 uh, six to six going into overtime and a 9-6 to six final score. We're definitely in a, in a new era and a new day and age with, uh, with both of these teams and their, and their football programs. But, again, you can find all that on Twitter at Brett underscore Hudson and on Tidesports.com. Well, y'all make sure y'all give Brett a follow on Twitter. Check out some of his stuff. Looking forward to that uh, article about how this game has changed. Because, man, uh, <laughs> if you didn't watch a game between 2011 and what's going to happen on Saturday, you wouldn't believe what's going to be happening. But, Brett, once again, thank you for coming on and giving us some of your time. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. Uh, once again, I want to thank Brett Hudson for coming on and giving us some of his time. Make sure y'all follow him on Twitter at Brett underscore Hudson. Uh, make sure you check out that piece coming out later this week where he talks about the difference between – the 2011 game, which was a 9-6, to the 2019 game, which, look, easily could be a 30s or 40s game because both offenses, I think, are going to have a lot of success in this game. Uh, But once again, I want to thank Brett Hudson and Chris Falica. Um, Didn't mention this earlier, but make sure you all check Chris's podcast out as he was with Stanford Steve earlier today. Uh, They were talking about the first CFP rankings, and, and Chris did give some interesting perspective on that as well. Um, as LSU is not number one, they're actually number two with Ohio State one, but Penn State creeps up in front of Clemson because of their resume. So uh, very interesting, especially when you look at, like he said, the Pac-12 teams uh, at seven and eight, when those teams haven't beaten a top 25 team, yet you've got teams like Florida and Auburn behind them. Uh, A lot of crazy things when you look at the first rankings, but uh, let's go ahead and welcome our last guest in. As always on these previews, I'm joined by Josh Simone. Y'all can find him on Twitter at LSUFBallTruth. Josh, how you doing tonight? I am doing good, and I'm just going to say I'm a special guest, very special guest to be here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, jo- Josh is always joining us on these LSU pods um, and always brings a great insight and does a great job with us. Hey, we're, we're just sitting around drinking a beer and talking, right? That's all we're doing at the end of these podcasts, right? 
That's it, man. That's, you know, if that's what they want to think, yep, that's what we're doing. <laughs> well, well, Josh, some interesting things were brought in. And first, I want to talk about what Chris said. And Chris was talking about this game. And, and look, Josh, this is going to be my analysis as we get further into it from the LSU side and overall the game as a whole, is that this game, to me, it's not as much about the offenses. It's more about which defense can bring that hiccup, that curveball, like Chris mm-hmm. said, to stop the opposing offense and maybe force a field goal. You know, maybe that's what yep. decides this game is a four point game, a 38, 34 or a 38, uh, you know, 35 type game. Josh, how do you see, you know, like what's your biggest factor in this game for who's going to win ultimately on Saturday? Yeah, I know, Charles, we talked offline that I've done a bunch of different spots and I kind of just keep going back to the same thing on all the, all the shows I've done. It's is that. Just what you said. I honestly believe that the winner of this game is going to be the team that can tackle. I know this sounds so old school and just, but the guy that can keep the guy, these elite NFL receivers in front of them, make the tackles, uh, you know, make the simple plays and not give up that 60 yard slant, you know, that Jerry Judy catches a, a, a four yard screen and takes it 80 yards. I really believe the team that can tackle better, make the plays that they're supposed to make in space. Uh, I think that's a team that's probably going to end up winning because LSU and Alabama, Charles, as you know, they're both so explosive on offense. Somebody, somebody's going to make plays. It's going to happen. But I just kind of feel, you know, who can who can stop that one team from, like you said, maybe hold them to a field goal. You know, maybe you get a turnover somewhere that you weren't expecting. So, me, the key to it all is going to be just that old school, like Coach O said, blocking and tackling. But really, to me. Whoever can tackle these wide receivers in space, I think that's going to be the that's going to be the winner of this game. And, and we'll come back to that. But look, mm-hmm. I want to stay on that. I want to stay on this point that you're making uh, mm-hmm. because look, Alabama is really good at those quick dinks, five yep. yard slant, and it turns into a sixty yard touchdown. And Alabama's really explosive in that aspect. When you look at LSU, they score in different ways. They're more methodical with their offense and how they attack. And, and I'm looking at this team. Look. In many aspects, this is going to be one of the better teams, if not the best team LSU's faced up to this point. Not as much on defense, but in terms of offense. And LSU's defense is going to have to come to the, you know, come to the plate, and and they're going to have to swing it and and hit, you know, that low curveball. They're going to have to hit that high fastball. They're they're going to have to make uh, plays in this game, and it all goes back to tackling. Because yes, you can give those five yard slants up. But you want it to be a five-yard slant. You don't want it to be a fifteen-yard fifteen-yard uh, gain and right. the first down time and time again. You've got to get Alabama in third and long and make Tua make longer throws. Because Josh, we talked about this last year. Tua doesn't like to get hit. We all know that, right? Right. And so with a bum ankle, you have to think that he's not going to be a hundred percent. His mobility is going to be uh, in question for this game. And if, if that's the case and that's in the back of his head and he knows he can't escape the pocket and elude a rush, he might be get, trying to get the ball out faster than he already has this season. Yeah, look, Charles, I think this is something we need to think about here. And is uh, we keep bringing up the injury. And if you watch some of, the, some of the clips of him at practice, you know, I'm not saying he's, he's injured where he can't move, but it's, I can see it. He, you know, he, he's hobbled. He's, he's walking gingerly. He's, he's being easy on a leg, and as he should be. Uh, you bring up a great point that maybe he knows in his mind he's not mobile, that he has to, you know, he's, he's going to throw it when some of these other times maybe he, he rolled out the pocket. Maybe, he, you know, he knew he had that option. 
he might not have that come Saturday night, uh, Saturday evening. So, yeah, that's something that maybe LSU looks at and, and presses the wide receiver a little more than maybe they, they would in the past. I keep going back to Kerry Vincent, not the harp on Kerry. Love Kerry. Uh, he played his best game of the year against Auburn. I thought he tackled much better. He was pressing. He was playing the slot well. I just thought overall, I think he heard the noise, Charles. I know we talked about him. Everybody was talking about how that was the weak spot. And he really stepped his game up. We need him to come and play another game like he did against Auburn, Charles. Yeah, look, tackling is going to be at a premium yep. for LSU in this game. And Josh, if you're Alabama, I mean, that's got to be a position you attack is that slot corner position with a Jerry Judy, you know, or maybe you put a, a Devonta Smith out there. Mm-hmm. You, you want to have speed out at that slot position. And look, Kerry Vincent's one of the faster guys on this team. And, and I think LSU's fast as a whole in terms of their defensive back uh, depth. And, and that's something Brett brought up was that this receiving core for Alabama, they're really talented, but their speed is something that sets them apart from the rest. And, and the speed really comes into play. You know, whenever they're they're on those five-yard slants, if you're LSU's defense, I mean, how do you play this Alabama team? Because I've seen a lot of people, look, Kirk Herbstreit brought it up and said, you got to press these guys. Uh-huh. you got to be physical with them at the line of scrimmage and take away those easy passes. And maybe your pass rush can get there, but then it sets up for some deep shots over the top. And with the speed of these receivers – I mean, it could burn LSU in the end. How, how do you defend against this receiving court? Yeah, look, I've I heard Herb Street uh, talk about this, and but you know, but I I have the same same opinion in the fact that the old days of LSU, Charles, of us kind of sitting there waiting, kind of playing that conservative. We we got we're gonna have to press these guys. We know they're man, just so talented and so fast. But look, that's why you go recruit a Derek Stingley. That's why you got a five-star Christian Fulton. That's why you go get a five-star Grant Delpit, who's, you know, four stars turned into a five-star. I think early on, you press them. You you hit them at the line. You press them. You make them make plays off the line. You put Grant back there as almost kind of as a center field and let him let him be an All-American. I know it, it might not be easy. He's going to have to make some plays, right? He's going to, you know, he might get beat on one or two here or there. But I think that's how that's how you're going to have to beat these guys. If you just kind of sit back in a soft, soft man or soft zone, they're going to eat you alive, Charles. And you know, and that's that's just my opinion. But I've heard Kurt Kurt talk about that, and I just think that's that's the way you got to go about it. Look, come halftime, if you're getting beat and Alabama's just making plays on you, and you just can't quite press them and and man up. You know that. We can adjust, you know, Coach Duranda will adjust, and that's what he has to do. But I think right out the gate, Charles, I don't know your opinion on it, but I think you just, you got to come out pressing, man. That's why you recruit these five-star studs. Let them give those guys the uh, the chance, to, you know, to prove themselves. Yeah, look, I think LSU ran a, a little bit more zone than they ever want to in, this mm-hmm. year, especially against a team like Texas, just because, right. you know, you had so many young guys in the defensive back position, but these defensive backs are recruited to play one-on-one. At the end of the day, and absolutely, I think you're going to see a lot of that in this game. Is you've got to win your battle against the guy you're lined up against every single down. And look, I think you know, I asked Brett, I said, Is there anyone that you don't throw at? And he said, No. And, and look, if you're Alabama, there's no reason to be scared of any of these defensive backs because your receivers are just as good. I mean, <laughs> Judy Stingley, uh, Fulton. Uh, Smith, I mean, those types of guys are going to be in the NFL. It, it, you look at the defensive backs and, and the wide receivers. That may be the most loaded position in terms of NFL talent that will be in the NFL in the next three to five years, uh, more than any other position on the field this weekend. Charles, think about this for a minute. I mean, you literally, Stingley, you know, I'm, not, I'm leaning forward a little bit here, but more than likely, Stingley is going to be a high first round pick. 
Christian, you see him in the mock drafts. He's a mid first round, maybe, you know, 12 to 20, you know, the what Judy and just, I mean, you're watching a first round show tonight. So win or lose, it's going to be fun watching all that talent on the field. I mean, these guys are NFL first round picks and they're going to go at it all night. So, you know, somebody's draft stock is going to get improved for sure. Uh, but yeah, man, it's, it, it's going to be, it's going to be fun, but yeah, you don't, you don't not throw at Stingley, you know, you don't not throw at whoever and that goes both ways. I think, I think coach O has, has raised the bar, uh, you know, with this team and he's, he's been building this team up. Same for LSU. There ain't nobody on Alabama that scares you that, that you say, you know what? He shut down that side of the field. No, no. You know, you, you go at them. You do what you got to do. If they make a play, they make a play. Yeah, look, Alabama is really talented in the defensive backfield as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, a guy like uh, Trevon Diggs is yep. really good. Xavier McKinney. Look, th- this Alabama team is really talented in the secondary. I mean, they've got a five-star safety back there, and it's like yep. you haven't even heard his name. And, and you know, you have you can't forget how talented they are, but – Neither of these defenses are going to stop the other, uh, the opposing offense at the end of the day. I think that is a common thought. It's agreed upon by everyone that's been talking this game. This will not be a 9-6 game, you know. But, Josh, I, I do want to bring this point up. Uh, look, no Michael Divinity for this game, right? He, mm-hmm. He's not on the team anymore. And you talk about a – I've heard this on the radio this week in that Dave Aranda runs a defense where he can flip things fast, Right. But you have to have a guy like Divinity who's played outside, who's played inside, that knows the play calls, knows where he needs to be, knows where everyone else needs to be, to be able to make those adjustments on the fly because Dave Aranda brings so many different fronts to the table. And if Michael Divinity's not there, it kind of throws the defense for a loop because you're going to be filling in with an Andre Anthony, a Ray Thornton, and a Marcel Brooks on passing situations. Like, you're going to have to find some consistency, and maybe this changes his game plan without Michael Divinity, but overall, you know, we've heard from the defensive guys that there's a lot of this defense we haven't seen yet this year, right? And so I'm expecting to see something new, Josh, but you have to imagine it's taken a hit with Divinity not being in this game. Yeah, I think where it takes a hit the most is, you know, you're making a good point here, is that Mike's been, Mike's, he's a veteran, I mean, not just because Mike don't, you know, might not have 11, 12 tackles. If, watch Mike play. You know, he's he's a seasoned vet now. He don't get tricked often. He's always kind of in the right spot. He's, he's always, your sack he's, leader. Yeah, and he's the sack. Obviously, he's a sack leader. We haven't had many sacks. But we, we need to without, play. Yeah. He's a sack leader with three less games. He was suspended for the same reason he's not the team, you know? Right, right, and, right. And, and so, look, he, he he's your sack leader with three less games. Uh, that should be all you need to know, you know? Yep. No, that's it. No, you – it's – that on, I try not to harp on it too much with some of the other shows, but yeah, it's going to hurt. You're going to have to, I think they're going to, to me, it's going to be, they're going to rotate this to death for this game because I think they're going to have to, like you mentioned some of the names that they're going to have to use, but you got to create a pass rush against, against Alabama. It, if, if we don't get a pass rush, it's going to be a long night. And you know that just as much. As you. So I think bringing a, a Brooks, who's got, you know, got crazy speed and high energy he's a young guy that wants to make a play. I think you could use him in certain instances. I think there's, you know, a Damone Clark, a Patrick Queen, if you want to send them on some type of blitzes. You know, I mean, so I think there's going to be a, a rotational thing going on there that uh, that's how we're going to use to get some some pass rush. With that being said, Charles, though, real quick, it's where I'm more spooked is when Nick Saban's so smart of a play caller, and as far as I know he don't call the plays, but picking things up is 
don't think he won't throw a screen right to these guys' side. And, you know, they're going to have to play smart. That's what spooks me. That's why I like Mike. He's seen it all. You know what I mean? You're not going to really trick Mike too much. He might not make the, make, make the big flashy play, but you're not going to trick him on a screen or too much like that. So that's where I get a little spooked, you know, is, is, is those type things. And look, you know, so much has been made about Joe Brady, but you have Steve Sarkeesian, you know, he's bringing an NFL offense to this game as well. And, you know, you, you, we talked about it, you know, I brought this point up with Chris. I said, look, the Auburn game, Auburn runs the ball a lot, right? Auburn's supposed to be good at running the ball. Auburn on, you know, 31 of their 33 carries averaged 0.6 yards per carry. You had two explosive plays in, in terms of the uh, rushing the football. And I said, look, are they going to be able to run the ball? And he said, yes. I mean, Chris is like, yes, they're going to be able to run the ball. Yeah. And the main reason being is this is the best offensive line LSU is going to face all year. And when Alabama has lost in these games, or the games they've lost, it's been because the defensive line has dominated their offensive line. Look at Clemson. Look at Georgia. You know, those are the games they lose is because the opposing defensive line dictates uh, the game. You know, this game has always been one in the trenches. And yet again, I think that's going to be the biggest key in this game is who wins up front? Yeah, Charles, this is where I disagree with some of the Alabama analysts and some of some of these other analysts is that if Alabama comes out, Charles, and it tries to establish the run, I think LSU wins that matchup. I don't they don't win all the matchups. The, you know, we can go down the list. But I if Alabama wants to come out and try to establish a run, I think that plays into LSU's hands. I, I really, truly, truly believe it depends on where they run the ball. And they're running and I, Tyler Shelvin. I think that it's a mistake. If they run outside of Tyler Shelvin, I think they can have success against our ends. Uh, of course they can. And, you know, look, don't get me wrong. We're not going to shut them down, shut them down. But I think, you know, Auburn's a tremendous run team. And when I left that game, watch that game, go back and watch again, LSU can, LSU can shut down the run, man. They had the number two run defense in the SEC right behind Georgia, okay? So, yeah, to me, it's a strength. That if they want to run, if they want to establish run, I think honestly that plays into LSU's hands. I really do, but I don't. I just don't think Nick's going to do that. He's smart enough to me that they're going to almost use that short passing game as the run game, kind of like LSU does. I've heard some of these national analysts say they're going to try to come out and establish run Alabama for the run. I don't agree with that, man. I really, I really don't think Nick's going to do that. He sees the strings. He sees a Tyler Shelvin on film. He's seen some of these, you know, a, a Jacob Phillips on film, a Patrick Queen. These guys are playing good run, run defense. They'll bring up Grant Delpit or Jacoby Stevens. You know, I just, I just think LSU's played to run too good for just sit there and, and Nick said he's just going to pound his head into the wall. No, I just don't think that's going to happen. That's where I disagree with most of, most of these other analysts. And of yeah, course. Look- of course, the Alabama analyst is going to say that they'll be able to run the football no problem. Of course, he would say that. Well, look, <laughs> Chris is a game day guy. He's not not. Oh, Chris said that. Okay. Yeah, okay, Chris I'm said sorry. that. But but look, I, I do think Alabama is going to have to run the football, and I think some of that's because of their defense. You mm-hmm. know, I, I think they're going to have to try to get some possession clock because you can't just be scoring three minutes all game long. You know, at the end of the right. day, it's really possible for the, that to happen. You know, this could, this could be the Texas LSU game all over again at the end of the day. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was. But I think Alabama's going to have some success running the ball. You know, and the point Chris made was, look, out, you know, Auburn likes to go out wide and run the ball. Mm-hmm. They're not always just running it up the middle. And I think that the good thing is, is that LSU showed they could stop that, right? Because Tyler yep. Shelvin's been playing so well, you know we can stop up the middle. If they try to run on the outside, we've, we've proven that as well. Look, not having divinity will be huge in that aspect. But I think LSU will be okay in terms of stopping the run. 
But, you know, I, another position I am concerned about is no Delpit at practice. Again, uh, three straight days we haven't seen Delpit. Coach O said he'll be healthy, um, but, you know, I, I haven't seen him. No one has. But, yeah, well, I mean, he hasn't – let me say this. He hasn't been at the at the media side of it. I, I, I haven't you – know, you know, when the media leaves, that doesn't mean, he, you know, he's not there doing some work. So I would just uh, – without putting too much out there, he's going to be okay. I'll leave it at that, Charles. <laughs> but but you, <laughs> you would like to see him. Of course, of, co- because, of course, of course. Because this game's had those times where you say, oh, yeah, he's playing. We don't see him in the media. We don't see him in media. We hear that he's practicing, which we're hearing with Delpit, right? Yeah. And then the game comes, and they're not even dressed out. And so, you know, you have to take everything you hear with a grain of salt because at least we're seeing Tua, you know? <laughs> and yeah. we're him throw the ball around. Look, we all expect Tua to play. There's no one that we've had on. Neither Josh nor myself think he's not playing. You know, Tua's playing in this game, but – you know, I, I think this game's just interesting, though. Where you, you look at Alabama's offense, who's had a lot of success, and it's not just one receiver. They've got a three-headed monster, just like LSU and uh, Devonte Smith, uh, Jared Judy, and uh, Jerry Judy, and uh, Henry Ruggs. You know, this Alabama offense is really similar to LSU's offense in, in many aspects, and, and they also throw their running backs out of the. Uh, uh, you know, so y- you have to be ready on all aspects. I think LSU, like in games, you know, in different aspects than a Georgia Southern, right? You have to stick to your assignments. This Alabama game, you're really going to have to stick to your assignments. Good point. Yeah, absolutely. But we just kind of covered that uh, with, with the initial thoughts, Charles, but a- absolutely. They're going to have to, like we said, tackle, stay in their lanes. If you give up an eight-yard play, you give up a 12-yard play, so be it. Just don't give up that, you know, that that big, big play. I think where where – Okay, so the offenses, like you mentioned, they're scary similar when you watch them on film, okay? They're, they're not identical, but they're scary similar because, like you said, Brady's running an NFL-style Saints offense. T. Sharkeesian was in Atlanta with the Falcons. We know what he did at USC, at Washington. He's runs a pro-style, the pro-style spread. It, it's very similar. Where I think LSU and Alabama, when you look at the receiving cores, I think LSU's receivers a little more, you know, physical physical more receivers than Alabama. Alabama is just more, you know, some of them, their speed and quickness. I like LSU in more of high point in the ball, having to go fight for the ball, uh, like a Terrace Marshall Jr. I've, I've tweeted about him this week a couple times. I think that's kind of a uh, an advantage for LSU, having this, you know, six-foot-five Terrace Marshall there in the red zone. Alabama, to me, don't quite have that wide receiver that like Terrace Marshall. So that's one advantage I see LSU has. Now, don't get me wrong, Alabama has has plenty of those as well. Well, let's flip it around, Josh. I, I think we kind of covered the whole Alabama versus LSU uh, in terms of LSU on defense, Alabama on offense. But mm-hmm. one more point I want to make up or bring up to you. Look, I think the defensive end play is going to be huge. You know, I would like to see some stuff from Glenn Logan, uh, Rashard Lawrence, Braden Fajoko, Neil Farrell, and even more importantly, Josh, this has to be one of those games where Chase Song comes out and has plays to. well. I mean, yeah, he has to yeah. impact this game on multiple plays, not just one or two. I mean, he's got to be big throughout and early. They need to be putting two on his back from the beginning. Charles, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up, Charles, because we got a lot going on this week, but and we kind of forget about the small little things. And but Charles, we we talked about this last week with Auburn. I mean, it's it's time. Like Rashard Lawrence, Clevion Chase on. You know, you get all the recruiting hype. You get, you know, they played some decent little spots here and there. You know, we know Chase on had the knee injury and all that, but this is it, Charles. Like, this is why you choose LSU. 
This is why you come here. You're the number one team in the country in the AP. You're playing Alabama in this moment. This is your NFL time. There's going to be over 100 scouts here, okay? Every NFL team is going to be here. This is your time to show the NFL that I can play at that level and be, you know, be a factor. So I, I when I tweeted out early in the year before the season started of kind of what the NFL scouts are saying, and I talked to some of the guys and say, look, this is, you know, and I talked to them offline, this is one of those games. If you come out, Charles, and have, you know, Chase on comes out and puts two or three sacks together, kind of like a Florida game, maybe two or three sacks, 10, 10 tackles. I mean, that is going to absolutely boost his draft stock. These guys that we expect that were recruited that were five stars, they need to come play, play football this weekend if LSU wants a real chance to win this game. Well, let's flip it around. Let's talk about this LSU offense, and then we'll get to the game as a whole. Let's talk special teams, so I think that's important as well. But oh, yeah. Look, this LSU offense has already traveled. You know, they played against Texas. They played against the two best defenses, in my opinion, um, in the SEC, maybe the third best being Georgia. And they were able to score against Florida and Auburn. And Auburn, look, we talked about the struggles. The struggles were, look, they didn't convert on fourth and one. They, yep. they were right at the goal line. They did not convert. Josh, I think if you're in a situation this game, put Joe Burrow under center, please. Yes, please. please if please. it's fourth and one, fourth and inches, do not get in the shotgun and try to oh. go the middle. I mean, that, that play makes no sense to me. But I, I think this LSU offense travels. You know, the two guests that joined me earlier, they both agreed this offense will travel. This defense of Alabama will not stop this offense. They may slow them down, but this offense is still going to be able to put up what they're used to putting up. Yeah, look, if you go – I went and took the opportunity to watch the Ole Miss game, Charles, a couple times against Alabama. If you watch that game, Ole Miss was able to get those young linebackers in some situations that they just – it's not that – they weren't talented enough to play or anything. And we all know that they were uber talented. They just they put them in some positions that they've never seen before. You know, so I think that's what you'll see on Saturday on Saturday evening there. Look for Joe Brady and those guys to put some of that those Alabama guys, those linebackers in certain situations where they're kind of out. Leaders. Yeah, young, expect, guys, young right. guys up the middle. Yeah. I mean, expect, they, look, this is what I was told that we want to make them feel like they're they're out there, you know. It, it, by their self, I mean, you want to confuse these young linebackers and have to make a decision. Do I do I go with the crosser? Do I go with the tight end in the middle? And Joe's watching that. Whichever one he picked, you know, that's I'm going to go to the other. So that's going to be the cat and mouse game, that chess match game with Brady and Ensminger and these linebackers. I really believe that's where LSU has to attack. You know, use Moss in the middle of the field, use wide receivers on these slants and stuff. It's just it's it's going to be a great matchup to watch all night. Yeah, it should be exciting. Let's talk about that Alabama defense. Look, they're they're really good, right? Mm -hmm. But they're not elite. They're not a top ten defense like we're used to seeing. By the time this game rolls around, look, Alabama, Josh. Let's be frank. They really haven't played anyone this year, and they're in. You would expect this defense to be top ten, right? But talk to me. You know, I talked to Brett about <laughs> why is this Alabama defense not what we're used to seeing? And I'll give my opinion. I, I just think it's a lot of turnover. It's finally caught up to Alabama. That's why you've got two freshmen starting on the line, and yep. injuries like LSU's seen throughout their defense this year. And why I think LSU's defense is finally coming around is they had a lot of injuries. And they Alabama has injuries, and it's taken some experience to get those two freshman linebackers uh, up to speed. Yeah, Charles, I mean, I think you nailed it, man. I, I, I mentioned this in the other shows. I think it's attrition, some injuries, 
Alabama's going through what, what LSU went through a few years back there when all these guys left for the NFL at the end of the Miles era, seeing all this talent go to the NFL, which was great, first, second-round talent, but that left us with, you know, the bare bones. And that's kind of what Alabama's going through now. You add on top the attrition, which is tough, and then, boom, they kind of got hit with that injury bug, right? So both of those together – you're getting guys that probably weren't going to play as much this year. You get fresh from that probably, honestly, just weren't going to see the field besides on special teams. So, yeah. Now, the key thing is with their defense, Charles, when those guys come out, that's where you, you see this team lack, okay? When those guys come out, who who's replacing them? In the past, the five-star was coming out. The freshman five-star was coming in. Now, you know what I mean? So that, or more importantly, your four-star junior was coming in. You right, know? right, right. You, so you had experienced upperclassmen. Right now, you look at Alabama in terms of depth. They've got two freshmen starting, and of course, you have Raekwon Davis, who's a senior that's starting. But then your second team comes in. You've got Byron Young, freshman. You've got uh, Christian Bearmore, who's a redshirt freshman, and then you have a redshirt sophomore and Fidari Mathis. But they're so young behind their starters right now. Yeah, and some of their starters are young, right? And like you said, they're so young. They're so young there, and and some of the names that you mentioned. You know, uh, not saying that they're not elite, but I just think some of those names you mentioned, Charles, are some of the is that talent that you got to kind of work with a little bit. Right. Some of that four star, three star that. Yeah, they're going to be studs, but they needed a couple years to build on. And I think uh, it's not quite that five star come out the gate and, you know, pop you in a mouth guy. So that's where I mean, it is. Go watch the film. I've, I've watched a ton of Alabama film, their linebacking core and just the defensive line as a whole is young. There's opportunities from there. That's why I don't want to hear any excuses, Charles. LSU can take advantage of this defense. Made a good point. They're super talented. You know, they got NFL guys on the field. But this ain't, this ain't your daddy's Alabama defense. You, you can beat this defense. So no excuses this year, Charles. Uh, that, you know, they got to scheme it up and go out and make plays. And, and, you know, it's kind of crazy when you look at these two defenses. You know, I, Josh, if I'm looking on paper, I probably give a little bit of an edge to LSU in terms of, you know, putting them side by side, but look at both of these defenses and, and their strengths actually in the defensive backfield, mm-hmm. you know, like LSU, I, I think uh, Alabama, most of their talent is in that defensive backfield in terms of experience and everything. And, and so you talk about LSU, look, uh, you know, you've got your three headed ma- monster wide receiver. We talked about Alabama wanting to establish a run. How important is it going to be for LSU to establish a run in this game? Yeah. You know, this is one that keeps coming up and asking me, because I think we're so caught up into the old school, uh, way of thinking that we have to establish a run. I, I, I don't I don't think it's going to play as much of a factor, Charles, as it obviously did in the past, you know, uh, just because of how we were set up on offense. I honestly believe that LSU is going to have to kind of use the pass to set up the run, kind of how you've seen it in Auburn a little bit, that if LSU can get the passing game going, the short passing game, like we hit a couple slants, hit a, hit a couple back shoulder throws, and then you'll be able to work Clyde in on some of these draws, some of these quick passes out the backfield. When I say running game, Charles, we've covered this a lot. I also kind of include those quick little when you see our Clyde in motion, or some of those quick swing passes, things like that. That's the running game as well. So that I think we'll see it's important for LSU. But I think it's more important for LSU to get the passing game, especially kind of that short, quick passing game working early on. Yeah, they're going to have to establish things. They're going to have to be unpredictable. You know, um, so they're going to have to confuse this Alabama defense. And I think they will. I think there's things that 
Brady hasn't shown. Look, you see the packages, and they they run plays out of different packages, and you you see the similar play, but it's a different package. So it's hard to keep up with, with what these offenses, both Alabama and LSU, because they have that NFL aspect to them, that uh, deception. But look, Josh, what I've, I've heard, I've talked about it on multiple shows this week, is that LSU is methodical in the ways they attack defenses. They attack the weak points. That's why I think a guy like Thaddeus Moss is going to be a big difference maker in this game, especially when you get one of these younger linebackers against him. And like with Alabama, I think that slot uh, position is going to be important. I think Justin Jefferson has a huge game on Saturday. Yeah, it's it's just it's strong for both teams, Charles. I'm I'm curious to see how how LSU matches up and tries to slow down, and I'm really curious to see how, how Alabama does the same thing. I just think that's the strength of these two teams. You can move a chase into the slot, Justin Jefferson into the slot, Thaddeus Moss. Come, you know, it's just it's going to be a, a, a cat and mouse type game there. But you bring up a, a great point that, and I've mentioned this before, is Thaddeus Moss. He's really grown into man, a, a, such a weapon, right? He, and, he, is he the best tight end in football right now? I, look, I said this on the show the other day, Charles, and they were like, "Man, I might have to agree with you." Is that? It's hard now. Even in the NFL, you kind of have a two, three tight end rotation because you got the guy, you know, that can block and you bring in a Jimmy Graham type, the tall, skinny guy that can run in the middle of the field. Man, Thaddeus is kind of the whole package. The man can block. He'll he'll lay it on you. But he's also athletic enough to go out there and and catch the ball for you and make a play. I I mean, you talk about a guy's draft stock. I know we talk about Joe, you know, and his draft stock. Don't get me wrong. That's, you know, that's another whole level. But Thaddeus Moss went from not even a thought to he might go in the fourth round, the third round. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's crazy. And that to think that that he kind of came out of nowhere and we're using him like that this year. I love the blocking with him, Charles. That it, the fact that you can keep him in there and he and he don't just block. He he, he lays the wood on people. So, man, what a, you know, I think that's that's an advantage. You're talking about Alabama's got some advantages. I think LSU's tight end position this year. And Alabama's been so dominant with Irv Smith and, and those guys over the last couple of years. But I think LSU's got that advantage, right? They're in a tight end position, and we have to use that. Yeah, uh, look, Thaddeus has been incredible this year. Um, some, you know, issues with last year with clearing, you know, health and yeah. everything didn't play. But I'm glad that we get to see him on the field this year uh, because I was concerned we weren't going to see him, you know. And, and mm-hmm. what he's done, not only in the receiving aspect, but the blocking has been incredible. A guy like Cole Kublick has been, you know, highlighting him week after week. He's raving about he's him. I know. Yeah. People, you know, <laughs> putting big defensive ends, defensive tackles on their butt. And that's something you like to see because I think this is one of those games, Josh, when you look at LSU's offense, their offensive line has been, uh, look, they haven't been a whole unit throughout the entire season. You still have a rotation at left guard. And Sadiq has missed a lot of games this year for mm-hmm. – in quotes, coach's decision. And so you haven't had a full unit play cohesively game after game. Look, this is going to be their third game in a row where they're all playing because you had Florida, Auburn, and now Alabama. And so, Josh, I'm looking at this game and saying, man, Alabama, if they're going to have an advantage, it's going to be on their edge rushers. LSU's two tackles are going to have to play really well. And Thaddeus Moss may be helping a lot on that right side on a Saturday because – Alabama's edge rushers have been playing really well, yeah. especially a guy like uh, Terrell Lewis. Yeah, Terrell Lewis has been, you know, he's arguably been the best edge guy in the SEC. Uh, he's, you know, he's, he's a playmaker. With that being said, Charles, I think 
we don't give enough credit to Moss in that aspect. Go watch the film. It's probably a handful of times each game. I'm like, oh, you know, you don't watch, you don't really notice that as you're watching the game live. But yeah, I think having Moss there, be able to chip on those guys on the edge because I absolutely agree. Advantage Alabama. You make good point there that their edge guys are they. There's some good players, and they're going to be coming off the edge, and they have the advantage. Now, we don't like we said with Moss there blocking. It, you know, it's such a good aspect he brings to you that you don't have to kind of slide the whole line one way. You don't have to kind of change. Like last year, sometimes we got stuck with all this protection packages we had to keep in. You couldn't quite run your offense. Boy, it's great when you can just say, "Hey, let's you know shift Moss into motion. Okay, put him up, put him over here, and you know he, he's going to do his job." You know, that's such that's a, such a big plus. But yeah, our tackles are going to have to play. I mean, hands down, if they don't play a good football game, it's, you know, Joe's going to be running for his life, uh, you know, most of the night. But, you know, I think I think they'll, they'll, they'll do fine, Charles. I think those guys will, will hold their own. They've held their own, you know, pretty much all season. But let's hope they can keep it up. Yeah, you finally saw some struggle from the tackles against Auburn. And, look, Auburn's defensive Auburn's, line yeah. is much better than this Alabama defensive line. But Alabama still has five stars on that defensive line. They're loaded, right? So, you know, I, I expect – to see a lot from Alabama's defensive line in this game. I expect to see some curveballs in this game as well because Alabama hasn't had to play uh, a close game yet, you know, so they haven't thrown everything out that they have on defense. So I, I expect to see wrinkles. You know, it, it's going to be a chess match at the end of the day. That's the best way to describe what this game is going to be, and that's exactly what it's going to be, Josh. It's, it's going to be Sarkeesian versus Aranda and really Nick Saban versus uh, Brady and Ensminger, you know, and – it, something I want to bring up, and look, I think Coach O has been doing a good job at this, is the analyst. You know, you, you see these analyst staffs and, and compare them, and what LSU did, had three years ago to compare what they have now, it, it's like night and day difference. How many more analysts, how many more eyes they have looking at tape and preparing game plans for a big game like this one on Saturday. Yeah, it, it's a major difference, and that was one of them aspects that Alabama was kind of ahead of the game on than everybody else, you know, in, in college football for the most part. Um, and it, it kind of leaked out. And then Coach O said, you know, well, I mean, we have the money. Let's bring them in, you know. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a big aspect. And I'll tell you what, they've done a good job this year, Charles, uh, going into halftime and making adjustments. You can see that all that analysts, you know, guys paying attention during the game, you know, they go into halftime, you know, they have their thoughts, they put it together. And they, a lot of times, Charles, on defense especially, they come out and it's a completely different game when they come out and make their adjustments. And a lot of that has to do with your analysts. You know, a lot of it has to do with, with those adjustments. That's why you pay them to do that. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good aspect. I think we've closed the gap so much, Charles. We're talking two or three years ago. You just kind of felt like you didn't have a chance. You were trying to, you know, just tread in water. I just feel like the gap is closed almost to the point that we're, we're, we're I wouldn't say quite equal yet. You know, Coach Saban has done some tremendous things, but man, we're, we're getting close. Well, speaking about closing the gap, Coach O last year made a huge point to talk about the defensive line and how, mm -hmm. you know, you win this game in the trenches. And Josh, I think that you look on both sides of the ball, I, I think the gap has closed a little bit. Or, or let's be honest, it's closed a good bit. And I think some of that is because LSU is more experienced, you know, and against who they're playing. Look, this defensive line is the same guys. But I think you've seen a lot of growth and maturity. And look, you got a guy like Chase on this game. So just talk about how far or how big is the gap in terms of our offensive line versus their defensive line and their offensive line versus ours? Yeah, that's kind of what I was just just mentioning is that we've 
we've closed the gap quite a bit. I just, I, I think Alabama still has the advantage for sure, Charles, on the offensive line. If you go look at Alabama's offensive line, they've done a, a great job at protecting Tua. They've, they've got some studs there along the offensive line. I don't quite think LSU's there yet on the offensive line. I think Coach O's recruiting that way, trying to fit, get the guys that fit this type of offense, type of spread offense. I, I think, you know, if I was compared them, you know, let's say Alabama's a 10, LSU's still kind of a seven and a half right there for going, you know, one through 10. I do think on the defensive line, though, Charles, it's really close. I, you know, I honestly believe that some people would even say LSU may have the edge, especially in the interior of the line. I think LSU has the better defensive line when you look at the interior with a Shelvin, with, you know, with those guys, Rashard Lawrence, some of the bigger guys. I think we have the edge. Alabama probably, look, has the edge on the out, on, on the outside as far as rushing the Rushing the passer is just, you know, you, you just kind of waiting for Chase on to, to make some of them, a few more of those plays while we recruit them. Hasn't quite happened like that yet. And I think that's why you see in this recruiting class, especially the last two recruiting classes, Charles, that O's really went heavy looking for the, those pass rushers because it's so important to close the rest of this gap. We keep talking about the gap is we need more pass rushers. And I think that's kind of that last aspect as far as the, the lines on the defensive line that we're quite missing that that Alabama has. We need a few more guys that can rush the passer. Yeah, look, I, I do agree with you there, Josh. I, I do think the gap is closed. And, and you know, something that I think is going to be interesting for this game is what Alabama decides to do. Look, Joe Burrow, when you look at him compared to other guys when pressure is brought, Joe Burrow is completing a ball at 80% right now under pressure. So, so you know, here's my question. You saw – what Auburn did, right? Auburn got pass rush with their three guys. They ran a three-one-seven. Mm. Look, we talked about it. Uh, we yeah. talked about how Auburn had success against our defense. They weren't able to completely shut them down, but they were able to slow them down, which was the big thing. I don't think Alabama can run a three-one-seven in this game and have success. But what can Alabama do to slow this uh, this LSU offensive attack down? Yeah, I think what you need to look out for is they're they're not going to come out and run a three-one-seven, but. We all know Saban can scheme it up, you know, just like LSU can scheme it up. I think you might see some type of hybrid of of, of that where they Auburn had some success with a three one seven, where they might you know throw a few wrinkles in there where they do bring a few more defensive backs out there. This is where I think Joe has the edge over Tua. Now Joe's seen this already, uh, Charles. You know, he's seen kind of that three one seven setup. I think now, like they came out in the second half and ran the football. I think this is where that he can make those adjustments on the fly early on and run the ball at him. Once we figured out, hey, let's just run the ball at Auburn, we started to gash him big time. Auburn kind of had to go back to more of a, a traditional look. Um, I think that's, you know, that's the aspect that you might see from Alabama. It just, I, I just can't see Alabama, and that goes for us too, Charles. And you talk about Aranda with a few, a few different wrinkles and stuff he's, he's kept in his back pocket. I just don't see Saban just lining up straight up, not having a few little quirks in there for uh, for Joe. Because if if he does think he's going to line up and do it, you know, play straight up, Joe's going to pick him apart. Like you said, 80% completion, Joe's going to pick him apart. I just don't think that's going to be the case. Well, Josh, let's talk about special teams. I, I think Alabama mm-hmm. has one of the best returners in, in the country. Yeah. Uh, and I think that Von Rosenberg, he's talked about it. He's going to have to keep the ball away from him. And, and before we talk about kickers, because that's something that I think is really important, just the other aspects of special teams. Who do you see having an advantage? Obviously, I think Alabama has an advantage. Uh, Brett said 
and I think this is true, don't get up to get a beer whenever uh, LSU's punting the ball because you could miss a touchdown. And that's reasonable in this game because Alabama is really good when it comes to punt return. Yeah, no, Jalen Waddle, he's he's a talented young man, and he's like you said, he's arguably you could argue he's the best return man in the country. You know, I mean, he's he's one of the best. Uh, I think Alabama has the advantage in that one aspect. You know, and this is just my honest truth. When you go watch Alabama on special teams, besides the punt return, they struggle, Charles. So I just think LSU definitely has a better kicking game. I know Cade missed a couple. He's still young. You got Avery Atkins who who can put it through the end zone. Just overall, I think LSU absolutely has the advantage on special teams. Uh, they just, I think, well, I tweeted out today, Charles, they're almost dead last in the nation in punting, 37-yard average. So they've they've struggled. They've, their kicker has struggled at times this year as well. He, he's but, gotten better. He's gotten yeah, better. The beginning did, of the season was rough for their punting. It, yeah, it was definitely rough. So in some of the early punts and film I was watching, I just, you know, that always blows my mind. Jaws that it, it, Alabama struggles with their kicking game. You know what I mean? I'm not, not saying they're horrible, but you just you expect them to have a better kicking game because, you know, obviously they go out and recruit some of the top players in the country. But, you know, it's it's been a constant with Alabama. So, you know, but yeah, now the as far as punt returning goes, we, we need this is where Stingley he has to make his money, right? You don't yeah, want to force anything and fumble. Punt. Right. You can't fumble. Cannot, absolutely not camp off a punt. I know for a fact. Some sources they've worked hard on special teams, uh, you know, since last since the Auburn game, they've worked really hard. They've also worked hard on trying to scheme up to get him not to feel like he's got a force to return, give him a little bit of space where he can kind of prepare himself for a return. I think this is some people might not like to hear this. This is just my opinion, Charles. I think this is going to kind of be Stingley's. He, he has to kind of show something here, do something, or I think next game after Alabama, you might start looking at a Trey Palmer because we've seen him take the punt return, kind of mixing in a little more. Now, we got to get something from that. Because punt return for LSU is always with DJ Chark and Patrick Peterson and uh, the Honey Badger. It's always that's an important aspect to LSU, changing the momentum of these some of these some of these big games. And we just ain't had it in the last few years since Chark left. So I, I think I'd like to see Stingley not break one for a touchdown, but, you know, help the offense out a little bit. I'd like to see him break one for a touchdown. Oh, of course. I would like to see him break five, but, you know, I'm trying to be realistic. Oh, well, let's be honest, Josh. I don't think there's going to be five punts total in this game uh, for either no. team. Uh, but, hey, let's bring up the kicking game. Uh, and, look, you kind of got to it, but let's get specific in it. Mm-hmm. Look, Alabama right now, the Tide has missed two uh, PATs. They're two for five for field goals plus 40. But at the same time, Kate York's missed three PATs. And he's only two of four from 40, and he's had – struggles recently if any team uh if a team's going to win this game it, it could be by that field goal or a missed extra point that lets a team win this game uh, does either team really have an advantage in there or, or is it pretty much even yeah i mean if you're really going to get you know that specific way i think it's kind of even charles i mean you know neither kicker has been extraordinary neither one has been terrible but yeah i think it's it's probably a push when it comes to that um k york looked good early on Charles but I think it's I think he's running into that freshman aspect of it right I mean it's mental we know K can kick he knows he can kick but he struggled with it in his head a little bit and that happens with kickers at time but uh you know he, he has to come out of that because hey, you've seen it champ crazy back <laughs> <laughs> man you ain't kidding but look you've seen it Charles and I don't know you know in uh the last couple games that coach O chose to go 
and run the play. Like he he said it on a press conference. What would you rather do? Kick with kick with uh Cade York, you know, you didn't say name specific, but would you rather kick it or would you rather put the ball in the hands of your Heisman Trophy guy? So he's been making decisions off the fact that he's not quite confident in his kicker. So that could definitely, like you said, play into this game, uh, you know, late if you need a kick. Well, I, I think it plays into offensive play calling too. Because mm-hmm. like LSU, as soon as they got in the field goal range, they were conservative. Conservative, yeah. yeah. You know, and and now they, you know, they trust their offense, and it's something that I hope they continue to do going forward. You know, for seasons to come, where you know they try to put up seven rather than six. But I, I do think kicking is going to come into play in this game, Josh. I I think a missed field goal or maybe a field goal to win the game is really going to be the difference. And it's crazy because nine six, it, it was a field goal game. And this game won't be a field goal game, but a field goal could be the difference. And how LSU play calls. Uh, whenever you know Cade York's been struggling, do you think that could that that makes a difference in this game? Is LSU more aggressive? And you know, it, let's say it's a fourth and one, and they've got a forty-three yard field goal, and they go for it, or, or do you see them, you know, trusting York in that situation? No, I I I, I just don't. I, I think LSU and Coach O is going to come into this game, and they game plan to attack. Uh, to be on attack mode from from the kickoff all the way to the end. You know now. We're talking at the end of the game with a few seconds on the clock. That's a different situation. But, yeah, I think if it's a 43, 45, 50-yard field goal, I think LSU is going to be in full attack mode and they're going to continue to run their offense. Um, I just – I just that's the the way I see it playing out, just kind of looking at it all. You've seen them go a little conservative at Auburn at times. Um, they went for it. I mean, I say conservative. They went for it on fourth, fourth down uh, numerous times. Didn't quite get it every time. But, no, I, I think it does come into play. And I, I just think LSU and Coach O knows I got a Heisman Trophy quarterback. I got an elite offense. You don't quite know what you're going to have going into the, you know, the next couple years. You don't know who your quarterback quite is going to be yet. Yeah, I think this is your opportunity, Charles. This is it. Let it all hang out, man. You got Joe Burrow, who's going to – looks like he's going to be a top five draft pick. You got NFL wide receivers. I think O's, O knows this is it. We got to go out and try to win this game with all this talent. Well, look, Josh, I agree. You know, th- if it's going to happen, you know, this is one of the this best is the year. You know, this this has to be the opportunity that it happens, and it's going to happen eventually, whether it happens this year or not. But, Josh, here's something I want to ask you: If LSU wins the toss, do you take the ball, go down and score, or do you defer to the second half? And you know, I I like I like to to kick off and have the ball after halftime. But with that being said, LSU it just hasn't done much at all after halftime. It's like they come out three and out, and it's just they haven't done anything. So you know, I I always lean toward playing defense first and getting getting a ball after half. I mean, that's maybe that's a personal opinion, but you know, I, I know that's I, I would like him like him to do that. It's always have that in, in the back of your uh, in the back of your mind that you, that you get the ball coming out after half. Yeah, look, I, I think if LSU gets the ball, they go down and score. They change the mindset of this game, right? Mm-hmm. Because look, everyone's seen the offense; they know what it is. But n- no one's seen Alabama lose to LSU in a long time. You know, there's not a single player on this team uh, that was playing football uh, for LSU the last time they won, right? It, to be honest, there's not too many coaches and many analysts that were on this pro were in this program the last time they beat LSU. But this is by far the best chance it's been since 2011. And Josh, I, I say you go down there, you you score, and you change the mindset of this game, and you say, "All right, Nick, 
the ball's in your court now. You know, I, I'd like to see LSU come out, you know, just guns a-blazing, and, and, and let's go down and score. I mean, if it's an opportunity to wake Alabama up, let's be the team that does it. Yeah, no, that's this. That's kind of what I mentioned uh, a few seconds ago with let it all hang out. I think even if it's, you know, look, even if it's going down to get the ball, I'd love to see LSU come out early and put some points on the board. Maybe the first two drives, it's a field goal and, and a touchdown. But I just I think it's needed for the players. I think it's needed for the coaches. I think it's needed for the fan base, for everyone to see that, yes, you know what, LSU – is actually here with this offense and they can truly move the ball against Alabama and we're not going to get shut out again or, or just score three points. I, I feel like the city, the state, everybody needs to see it. We, we've seen it with this offense, but now it's, the, it's that one, one last little piece. Can we do it against Alabama? And I think it would be great, like you said, if LSU can come out early, first drive when they had the ball, Drive down a field. You know what? Maybe that isn't a touchdown, but you drive it 70 yards. You get a field goal next time you come out, drive it down, get a touchdown. And just just for that aspect, I think it will ease the mind of everybody in the state, yeah. the coaches, the players. And then you can kind of just play your game moving forward. Look, uh, Chris Falica brought this up, the Bear on College Game Day. said, mm-hmm. look, the, the past three years, LSU scored 10 points. It's I don't – yeah, I don't want to talk last, about it, but yeah. The last four years, <laughs> 26 in the last five. They've scored 59. LSU right now is averaging 46.8 points per game. And he said, I'm really intrigued to see when LSU hits 10. Because, Josh, that, that, I think they do it in the first quarter. You know, I think they scored 14 in the first quarter, to be honest. And look, that's that's the thing is is your adjustments can't just be at halftime in this game. They have to be drive after drive. Yeah. And it's really going to be important that, that LSU is able to make adjustments on the fly. And I think LSU will in terms of offense because they've got a guy like Joe Burrow back there calling the plays and, and, you know, making decisions on the field. And you've got a defense that, you know, in certain certain positions, yes, you're young. Yes, you know, no divinity in this game. But you're still really experienced on the defense. And I think they're going to be able to be able to make adjustments on the fly as well, Josh. Look, I, I'm really excited for this game at the end of the day. And, and there's so many things to look at. And it's crazy because these teams are pretty much mirror images of each other. And yet, you know, this game's in Tuscaloosa. Does that make a difference? I don't know. I, I tell you what, if this game was in Baton Rouge, I think it would make a difference at the end of the day. And, and you know, the, the money line right now is going with uh, with Alabama. You know, they're a six-and-a-half-point favorite, but the people betting, a lot of people are betting on LSU, uh, which doesn't always bode well for that team that people are betting on. But, Josh, I, I'm looking at this game, you know, just uh, as an overall. Uh, I think LSU has a really good shot to win this game. What do you think? No, I do, and then we know we we keep bringing it up. If if they're going to do it, I think it's going to be this year. And I'm not, you know, I'm not harping on anything. Or I just, I just really, truly, honestly believe that if we don't get it done this year, Charles, that we might be looking at a couple more years before we get the opportunity. I just, you don't quite know which which you got ahead. You know, you got Joe. You brought Joe in from Ohio State. You had last year to kind of build upon. You see what's happened this year. You finally got your offense in a place. You got a veteran defense. You got a good enough offensive line. You got a good enough running back. You got a good coaching staff. You got a head coach that's been there for a few years now. You're bringing in good recruiting classes. I think it's all kind of coming to head. And, but if you lose, we have to lose, you know, a third. Like, what? we're going to try to, yeah, yeah it's got to be a good game. It's got to be, you know, we lost, but we got to leave going. You know what? 
And that's, you know, we don't want to, 29 nothing can't happen again. We lose 30, you know, 31, 34 in the last second field goal. I can take that. You know, LSU's back. They played yeah, Alabama LSU's all the way to those. And LSU's right. in the playoff if they do that. Exactly. And that's, I know Coach O don't like talking about it. And people were harping on me today, Charles, about me bringing up LSU sitting at two and stuff. Because it's important that – because LSU may lose this game. You know, they, they may lose this game. But it's important for LSU to prove that, hey, you know, we lost. But it was 28 to – you know, 28 to 24. It was a close game. LSU was there right at the last minute. Just didn't quite get over the hump, but they're plenty good enough to, to be in a playoff and, you know, to be one of those teams, those last four teams. I think it's it's really important. You know, even in a loss, LSU's got to prove, that, you know, that that they belong now. Well, look, Josh, you know, let, let's just go in ahead and just get into game predictions. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris thinks Alabama's going to win. Brett, as well, thought Alabama was going to win. But they both think it's going to be a high-scoring game and a close game at the end of the day. How, what's your score prediction for this game? You know, I thought about it, and early in the week, I kind of went a little bit high, but this is how I see it, and, you know, and maybe this is taking the easy way out. I got 35 to, you know, 31, 35-31, and I got at LSU. I'm an LSU guy. You know that, but I could honestly see it being 35-31 Alabama. I just think it's the, the first team that can get to the high 30s is going to win. I think that's well, going to be uh, obviously, obviously the team that scores the most, but I just, right. No, 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 I just think it's whoever can kind of prove that they can move the ball and get that offense. Whoever can get it, it's, I just make, think it's going to be that, that type of game. Make a mistake. Yeah. Each defense yeah, makes the first, uh, makes the, uh, makes the offense make the first mistake because that's going to be the big thing. A turnover, uh, you know, uh, a holding penalty on first down where you're behind the sticks trying to get a first down and you go three and out. I, I mean, things like that momentum killers throughout this game are huge that's why i'm all about lsu getting the ball going down and scoring because yeah. if they can establish momentum from the beginning they can ride it all the way through this game because there's going to be up and downs in this game but if you let alabama go out there and score and then you you know you go down there you kick a field goal and they go down there and score a touchdown you're down 14-3 you're not winning that game no, that's, that's, you're not no, winning that's a, game. no that's a good point charles yeah good but point. josh you know, I'll go ahead and give my score prediction. I told Josh this all week and I've been telling him this all year. I'm not picking LSU to win until they beat them. And it's kind of like the offense. Um, I wasn't going to believe it this year. You know, Josh and I did a lot of podcasts over the summer. We said this offense is different because that's what we were being told. But, Josh, you correct me if I'm wrong, but this is, what, the fifth year in a row we've been hearing that in the offseason, that this offense has changed? Yes. No, you're absolutely Maybe, right. You know, yeah, and, and, it, it, until we saw it. It was hard to believe, you know. Yeah, it became a laughing stock, honestly, and I hate to say this to Coach O and stuff, but you know, in that program, but it became the joke of college football that LSU is really going to change their offense. Yeah, right. So, yeah, no, I, I understand, Charles. But I do, I do think Joe Brady's a difference maker in this game. I do think Aranda's a difference maker in this game. And look, Alabama's got talented coaches as well. They've got talented players, but to me, this is a this is a push for who wins this game. I, I don't think one team is much better than the other. I don't think one team has a guy, you know, maybe you talk about Alabama and we talked about their uh, punt return and and what Jalen Waddell can do and how he's got that wiggle ability. But LSU's offense is going to take what Alabama's defense will give them. And LSU has been good at at whatever they try to do on offense. And Alabama has done the same. And so it's really going to be who makes the first mistake, who makes the biggest mistake at the end of the day. 
But I, I, Josh, I'm excited for this game. I think whoever loses this game, if it's a close game, still makes it to the playoff. And there's still a lot to play for. And I'm not trying to cop out easily, you know, trying to cop out and say, look, this game doesn't matter because I think this game matters. Because, look, Josh, if LSU wins this game, they win the SEC championship. Uh, this is a role reversal in terms of who's trending upward in the SEC in, in the college football landscape as a whole. You know, Charles, that's all, that's all great points. I think this is like I, I said earlier that the fan base needs to see it. Everybody needs to see it. Yeah, that, that this is kind of that last sort of an LSU can leave that stadium in Tuscaloosa, even with a one point win. I think the to, you know, not to be cliche, but the, the, the tide has officially turned and we're seeing it in recruiting. Right. I know it starts there. It truly does start in recruiting. Anybody knows that it follows college football and you're seeing that now to actually see that aspect play out on the field. You know, that's that's going to be big. Look, one last thing I wanted to say before we leave here is that I do believe that if LSU can come out early, Charles, like you said, on the first first drive, put points on the board, maybe jump on top of them quick, a 14, like you said, 14 to three LSU comes out and scores a couple of touchdowns quick. I believe that if that'll kind of give everybody that sigh of relief, bring the blood pressure down and go, you know what? We we can play with these guys. And then I think LSU could put the pressure on Alabama. And I think that could happen quick because just watch how Alabama fans and, and that aspect of everybody, how they're acting this year. They're not acting like they have in the past. They know in the back of their mind, this is a real, this is a real good football team. So I think LSU could jump on these guys early, especially with a hurt too, if he's not himself, you know, really make out, make Alabama chase you that, you know, that would be nice uh, for once. Yeah, I, I would love to see that, Josh. Yeah. It's been a long time coming. I think everything is trending in LSU's direction. I, look, you know, I really want to pick LSU in this game because when I look at it on paper, I think LSU uh, is the better team. This is the best team Alabama's faced, and LSU's been tested three times. Uh, Alabama they played A&M, and A&M has fallen apart this year. So, look, I, I, I want to pick LSU, but, <laughs> Josh, I, I, I'm not jinxing them. All right. So yeah. I, I, I'm going to stick with my pick. You got all of our picks is Chris, uh, Brett and myself are all going with Alabama. Josh picking uh, LSU should be an exciting game on Saturday. Yeah. Um, Josh, people can follow you on Twitter at LSU Fall Truth. But tell us more about your website. Yeah. So, look, we, we should be able to get a, a few things up. I had Charles, I did a lot of shows this week uh, and I had, you know, it had numerous requests. So what I'm going to do is tomorrow, Charles, I'm going to kind of put put all them shows up on, on the website so people to catch up. They said they're going to be on a lot of tailgating and a lot of parties going on. That includes my house. So what I'll do is I'll send a couple of tweets once I get all the radio spots and the podcast and our show, and I'll toss those up on the website. Um, also, what I'll do is uh, I'm going to actually talk a little bit about some recruiting on uh, on the website. So keep an eye out for that tomorrow. I should be able to have everything up and loaded up on the website tomorrow. Well, make sure y'all check that out. Make sure y'all give Josh a follow on Twitter. Make sure y'all also follow Chris on Twitter, at Chris Falica, as well as uh, Brett Hudson, Brett underscore Hudson, for everything Bama for this game. But for Brett, for Chris, and for Josh Lemoyne, my name is Charles Reese, your host. Y'all have a great week. Enjoy this game. It's going to be a fun one, probably one of the best ones uh, we've seen in a while, especially on the competitive uh, side of everything. But uh, as always... God bless.